encounters with Jesus in John's Gospel. We're not going through all of John. We're concentrating on these divine appointments. And we have spent some time in John chapter 4 at the well of Sichar in Samaria. Maybe an appropriate place to be with the weather uh, being as it is. And we have looked at the journey of Jesus, not just to this woman at the well of Samaria, but more importantly, the journey of Jesus into her heart. And this is what we need. We need Jesus Christ and his grace to come into our hearts. And Jesus, we left him off in verse 10, had communicated the gospel to this woman. Have you communicated the gospel to somebody? Can you do it in a sentence? And if you are not a Christian, do you know the gospel? Can you leave this meeting saying what the gospel is and not just knowing it in your head, but believing it? And in verse 10, Jesus communicates uh, wonderfully, really, succinctly the gospel. So let's read from verse 10. Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God, and who it is who says to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. There's the gospel. And then notice what happens. The woman says to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. How then are you going to get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself? as well as his sons and his livestock. Jesus answered and said to her, whoever drinks of this water, pointing to the well, will thirst again. But whoever drinks, I think he's pointing to himself now, of the water that I shall give him will never thirst, but the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. What a wonderful verse. So what we're going to look at this morning is holy water. You don't have to go to the holy land to get holy water. Indeed, the water that you will get from the Sea of Galilee or from the River Jordan is just as holy as the water which I've got in my glass here. So when I was in Israel, I didn't bother buying uh, holy water. But the water we're going to look at this morning is holy water indeed. And the first thing I want to mention about this water is the spiritual blindness of the woman. Jesus is talking in spiritual language. This woman is thinking in physical terms. What about you here this morning? Are you thinking spiritually or are you still on the horizontal? thinking physically. Uh, the Gospel of John uses the word life over 36 times. And what it means by life is spiritual life, not physical life. And all the other terms to do with life, including water here, are meant to be understood spiritually. So what do we need to have life? Well, you need to have breath, don't you? The Holy Spirit is the Ruach of God, the breath of God. When we're born again, we are breathed new life into us. 
as we're going to look at this morning. Jesus is the water of life. Without water, you die. What else is Jesus? Jesus is the bread of life. Bread isn't luxury food. It's a staple diet. What else do you need to live? You need lights. Jesus Christ is the light of life. So Jesus is talking in spiritual terms, but this woman doesn't get it because she's spiritually blind. Paul went on to say in 1 Corinthians, the natural man, are you the natural person here? Receives not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Is what I'm saying this morning gobbledygook to you? Uh, We had somebody visit our church a few years ago now, and they thought that when I was preaching, I was doing rap. I don't know how they got that idea. Is that what you're thinking this morning? That's all I'm saying is uh, some spiritual gobbledygook. Well, it's because you're spiritually blind. You just don't get it. You see, it's not just a problem of a lack of knowledge. Yes, many people today don't know the Bible. They don't know about the Ten Commandments. They don't know about Jesus Christ and what he did, how he came in order to save us. And he did that by dying in our place and that he rose again, defeating death. People don't know those facts. So there is a right place to teach the gospel. That's what I am trying to do, believe it or not, in this sermon. But that's not the ultimate problem. We can teach the gospel as much as we can. I can strive to be as clear as I can, but you're not going to get it because you're spiritually blind by nature. And it requires a miracle to open people's eyes. And I'm not a miracle worker. Only Jesus can do the super natural. So this woman is perplexed, isn't she? She says, incidentally, Jacob's well was very deep. In uh, Jesus' day, it was probably the deepest well in Palestine. And so this woman is confused. How can you offer me living water? You haven't got anything to draw with. How are you going to get down into the well? And then she says, don't you realize who built that well? It was the patriarch, Jacob. Are you saying... That you're greater than Jacob? Jacob is one of our heroes. She's looking at a carpenter's son from Nazareth. Maybe not quite as bad as Samaria, but can anything good come out of Galilee? You see, she's thinking in physical terms. How about us? She was interested in plumbing, not salvation. She wanted an easier way to get better water from the well. People today want advice on relationships, work and play, not theological jargon about Jesus. Now, in my children's talk, I showed how we've helped to build a bore well in Andhra Pradesh, and there's nothing wrong with providing for physical needs. Indeed, the church, when God blesses her, does do that. There is nothing wrong with having advice on relationships. There is nothing wrong uh, with all these other physical areas. But listen, my friend, that's not 
what Jesus Christ has come into the world to deal with. Can, can I ask you a question? Why have you come to this church? Is it because, first and foremost, you want advice on plumbing? Well, you are asking the wrong person here, right? The disasters I've had trying to uh, fix uh, the, the sink uh, are just too many to mention. I can fix a leaking toilet because I've learned from YouTube how to do it. But we are not here primarily to give you advice on water. This woman had relationship problems big time, didn't she? She uh, had had five husbands and the one she was with now wasn't her husband. But Jesus isn't primarily here giving advice on relationships. He'll come to that, but later he's dealing with something else. Are you coming to church just in order uh, to have help with relationships? There are some people, they go to church to find a wife. No, we go to church to find somebody even better than a wife, to find Jesus Christ. We are the bride, and we're going to church to find the bridegroom. Listen to Jesus. If you only knew the gift of God and who it is who is saying to you, give me a drink. If you only knew who Jesus is. This poor woman was really blind, wasn't she? If she didn't realize Jesus was far greater than Jacob. She didn't even realize that Jesus was before Jacob. Before Abraham was. I am the great I am. As John began the gospel in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, how can even a great patriarch like Jacob be put on the same level as the Lord Jesus Christ? He's the God-man. And this woman will come to realize that he's the Messiah. She will come to believe in him. You know, we can sometimes put our Jacobs on the same level as Jesus. J.C. Ryle said, dead teachers have always more authority than living ones. Those of us who are Welsh are proud of our religious heritage. I'm proud of being brought up in Calvinistic Methodism. And I mean that in the right way. But woe be to me if I put some of my heroes, like Daniel Rowland and Howell Harris... And John Elias, these great preachers, woe be to us if we put them in the same place as Jesus Christ. Woe be to us if we put chapel before Jesus Christ. I used to meet some elderly people uh, who would say, uh, we go to chapel. It's chapel. That's what I'm ultimately trusting in. No. Look at our chapels. Many of them are lying empty. 
We can't trust in chapel. It's Christ. So that's the first thing I have to say. It's not an easy truth, I know, but spiritual blindness, it's a terrible thing. You can be in a church, you can use all the religious jargon and still be spiritually blind because you don't realize who Jesus Christ is and what he can do. Do you know what, my friends? In spite of the things I'm proud of in terms of my Christian heritage, firstly and foremostly, in the words of Richard Baxter, it's mere Christianity. I'm a Christian. Are you a Christian? Is that what you're really boasting in? Not all these other things. That, that's why I uh, used to love going to India, if you don't mind me saying, Serene, uh, because the pastors there, they wouldn't have our heritage. But they were Christians, and they are Christians. Very well then, that's the first point. May God open uh, your eyes if you're still spiritually blind. And if we become spiritually short-sighted, may God give us eye surgery by his Holy Spirit. The next thing I want to talk about is spiritual thirst. We're getting there, spiritual thirst. So this woman obviously had many needs. She had physical needs. She had need of water. Uh, Jesus himself was thirsty. Jesus was hungry. So there are physical needs. We all have to meet those physical needs. There are emotional needs. This poor woman was a damaged person, wasn't she, with her relationship problems. She was ostracized even in Samaritan society. So she must have had uh, big issues. So those emotional needs have to be dealt with. I'm not saying anything against uh, those things. But notice what Jesus says, pointing to the well, pointing to physical needs. Jesus says, everyone who drinks this water will thirst again. Now, what is he saying there? This water, physical, is stagnant. When Jesus uses the word living water, he does it in verse 10. If you only knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. He's not talking about stagnant water there. He's talking about flowing water, running water, fresh water. Do you notice the difference? Stagnant, dirty water. It doesn't matter how big your supply is. It may be a big pool, but if it's not fresh, it's going to go down. And then there's living water, which is what Jesus Christ offers. Think of the Brecon Beacons. Have you seen the reservoirs? They're quite full at the moment, aren't they? They're big, but they'll go down if there's no more rain to replenish them. I've never found it. Maybe some of you can tell me where it is. But on the edge of Penavan, near the summit, there's a little spring. Now, you can't compare that little spring to the reservoirs, can you, in terms of size? But that spring of water is perpetual, fresh living. It may not look like much, but in comparison to the reservoir, it's living water. And it's a bit like that with Jesus Christ. He may not look like much. He's a Galilean. The church of Christ may not look like much. What are we in comparison to the crowds at the FA Cup final? There, there isn't traffic problems in Cardiff if people are going to church. But let there be an event in the stadium. I can't remember the name of some of these pop stars. I'm so old-fashioned now. It causes chaos in Cardiff. 
Oh, wouldn't it be wonderful if there was traffic chaos because the gospel was being preached? God can do that. And so we don't look big. But the water that Jesus offers is not stagnant, it's living, living water. And actually, the water that the Jews used to cleanse ceremonially things. So the Old Testament taught that things were ceremonially unclean and that they needed to be religiously cleansed. They couldn't use stagnant water for that. It had to be running water. We'll come to that in a minute. It's important. So Jesus says, this water... This stagnant water, if you drink of it, you'll thirst again. So it doesn't matter what it is. Now, you know, if we've got physical needs, they've got to be met. Uh, if you've got emotional needs, you've got to have TLC. Uh, you have to have advice. There's nothing wrong with that. But all these things that are physical, in the end, they won't satisfy us spiritually. What is physical can't provide spiritual nourishments. Uh, this is what God said to Jeremiah, and the third hymn we sang was based on it. For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountains of living water. He's speaking of Jesus there, isn't he? And they have hewed for themselves cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no water. Now, you mustn't think of old-fashioned toilets when it comes to broken cisterns, right? That's not what Jeremiah was thinking of. He was thinking of ditches that people had dug to hold water. And it's a a good picture, isn't it? Because the water in those ditches, if it's not replenished, is going to get stagnant. It's going to get dirty. And the spring of water is going to be there perpetually fresh. And this is what Jesus Christ is saying. All the things that this world has to offer, all the material, ultimately, is like those ditches of stagnant water. So there's a ditch, and it's got pleasure written over it. And yet, if you rub that off, what's underneath is you will thirst again. Haven't you found that with pleasure? Our society today is the most hedonistic ever. And yet, what's the most popular word, bored, we're dissatisfied, it wasn't just Mick Jagger who sang I can't get no satisfaction, everybody is singing that song today, what else, another ditch has got money written of it, well maybe there's not that much money around these days, but people who are rich, they are the most dissatisfied, I know that, not from personal experience, but from reading their biographies. What else is this age known for? It's known for anything goes. Sex. Drugs. Do they satisfy? No. When that runs rampant, it causes destruction, as this woman was proving. Uh, have, you, have you heard of the poet Walter Savage Lander, or Walter Lander Savage, whatever? He, he was 19th century. Right, the poets who lived a hundred years ago, they didn't live virtuous lives. And uh, Walter Savage Lander must have been on something because he thought Swansea Bay was like the Bay of Naples. <laughs> and this is what he wrote. I like this. I fought with none, for none were worth my strife. He's a poet. Nature I loved. Who cannot but love nature in this weather? And next to nature, art. Who doesn't love art? 
It's wonderful. And then he says, I warmed both hands at the fire of life. And as a young man, he's enjoying life. He's got the physical energy to do that. But then he's getting older. And as his physical energy is diminishing, there's still warmth in the fire. But the problem is the fire is going down. I warm both hands at the fire of life. But it's going down. It sinks. And I am ready to depart. Is that it? Thirst. Um, If you're into low culture... Uh, the rock band Queen after the partying and they were renowned for that they wrote was it all worth it was it all worth it living drinking rock and roll was it all worth it thirst again have you got spiritual thirst can you say I tried the broken systems. Don't know what it is for you. Was it money? Was it pleasures? Was it sex, drugs? I've tried the water in those dishes. And I found them all to fail. E'en as I stooped to drink, they fled and mocked me as I wailed. What powerful poetry. Uh, I'm not trying to impress you here, but I read it in the uh, commentaries. The Greek tense for whoever drinks of this water is present continuous. What does that mean? Um, Good question. Um, Let me try and illustrate it. Present continuous. If If I was thirsty, and I'm getting thirsty preaching, right? But if this was salt water... Um, This is an example of present continuous tense. And I would drink this salt water to uh, break my thirst. I'd be more thirsty, wouldn't I? So, present continuous. (laughs) I've got to continue drinking. But it's salt water. And I'm getting more thirsty. And I've got to continue drinking. Present continuous. And in the end, I'm going to die. Present continuous continuous you're not going to be satisfied and then let me close with the spiritual water that Jesus Christ is offering us this morning whoever drinks he's pointing to the physical well whoever drinks of that stagnant water will thirst again and then he points to himself but whoever drinks of this water will never thirst never thirst there's a change of Greek tense now it's not present continuous it's aorist. That sounds impressive, doesn't it? Aorist. Do you know what aorist means? Once. It's done. So, when you drink of Christ, your thirst is quenched. Physical things can't fill the spiritual need. Augustine of Hippo, the greatest theologian the church has known, wrote very famous words, Thou hast created us for thyself, and our hearts are restless until they find their rest in thee. There is the spiritual dimension. There is the soul. Yes, we have bodies. We have minds. We have emotions. Yes, we must look after the needs of the body. Yes, we must look after the needs of the mind. We must feed our minds. But that's not just what preaching is about. We have emotions. We must look after ourselves emotionally. But 
there is another dimension, the soul. That's what preaching is about. It's not just a lecture. We're here to have dealings with God. We're here to be spoken to in our souls, not just our minds. You've got an ever-dying soul, my friend. I've got a soul. We had a preacher come to the Welsh Christian Union in Aberystwyth called Morris Pew Morris. And he would go around people afterwards asking them. He would scare me, right? He would really frighten me. He would ask all of us, how is it with your soul? How is it with your soul? Wow, I'd never heard anything like that before. How is it with your soul? Is it well with your soul? That's what Jesus Christ has come. This God-shaped hole. Only God can fill. Jesus Christ is the power of God, the dunamos, the word we get dynamites from, unto salvation. Remember when I said it was only flowing water that was used for cleansing by the Jews? Our first need isn't even satisfaction. Some people think of Jesus Christ as somebody who can give something to them. And in a sense, they're still blind, aren't they? Because they're thinking of Christianity in terms of what can I get out of it? But our first need is to be cleansed. We're spiritually dirty. The Bible has a word for it. It's called sin. And we need to be washed from sin. And some people, they may have left the ditches of money and pleasures and all of that and they have turned to religion and they're trying to use religion to cleanse themselves from their sin but it's not going to work the more religious you become the more self-righteous you become and the more repugnant you are before God like the Pharisees in Jesus' day so we need to be cleansed do you know what Jesus Christ does I've got to come to a conclusion Jesus Christ the living water. He washes us from sin. Wonderful. And he provides satisfaction. And he, well, he's altogether lovely, isn't he? <laughs> and how did Williams Pantakelin? You know, Williams was a young man. He was in his 20s, Williams Pantakelin, when he wrote his hymns to begin with. He was in his 20s. We think of Williams Pantakelin as some elderly person, but he was a young man. And he wrote, Jesus, Jesus, all sufficient. Jesus, Jesus, all sufficient. So how, how does Jesus Christ do this? This wasn't the first time Jesus said, I, I'm thirsty. When did Jesus say next, I'm thirsty? It was a, f a few months later, wasn't it? At the cross. Listen, if Jesus hadn't felt physical thirst, he wouldn't have gone to the well of Samaria. He wouldn't have met this woman. And this woman wouldn't have eventually believed on him and be saved. It was because Jesus was thirsty that salvation came to this woman. But... Jesus, when he said, I thirst, a few months after this, he wasn't by a well, he was hanging on a cross. Now, I'm going to read some words from Tim Keller, a really excellent apologetic, and he died about a week or so ago. And I'll tell you a secret, I've stolen the title uh, for my series, Encounters with Jesus, from one of Keller's books. 
Um, so I hope that's all right. <laughs> this is how Keller put it. This woman found the living water because Jesus Christ said, I thirst. This is not the last time Jesus cried, I thirst. On the cross, just before he died, he said, I thirst. And he meant more than just physical thirst. There, Jesus was experiencing the loss of the relationship with his father because he was taking the punishments we deserved for our sins. There, he was cut off from the father, the source of living water. He was experiencing the ultimate, tortuous, killing, eternal thirst. Have you ever had proper thirst? It's one of the worst uh, experiences you can have. But on the cross, Jesus was experiencing hell, our hell, the tortuous killing, eternal thirst. It is because Jesus Christ experienced cosmic thirst. That's good, isn't it? Because he experienced cosmic thirst on the cross that you and I can have our spiritual thirst satisfied. Satisfied. Ha have you believed in Jesus Christ? Have you come to Jesus Christ? Have you stooped to drink of Jesus Christ? Not thinking what I can get out of Christ, but coming as a sinner. I'm unclean. I'm dead. I'm not just blind. I'm dead. And I need you, Jesus. I need you not just to satisfy my deepest longings. I need you to forgive my sins. I need you to reconcile me to God. I need you to cleanse me. I need the cleansing fountain where I can always flee. The blood of Christ most precious. The sinner's perfect plea. Have you been to Jesus? Have you Drunk of him, can you say, O Christ, in thee my soul hath found, and found in thee alone the peace, the joy I sought so long, the bliss till now unknown. Can you say, now none but Christ can satisfy, none other name for me. There's life, there's love, there's lasting joy, Lord Jesus, found in thee. Is Jesus your sufficiency? It's heirist. I don't need anything else once I have Christ. Uh, another song, uh, it's a good song, but bad theology. I still haven't found what I'm looking for. Well, you can't say that if you found Christ. You can't. And then listen to Jesus. I'm winding down here. I need to wind down now. <laughs> The water that I will give him will become in him a fountain, a spring, a perpetual spring of water. Lifting up, welling up, rising up to eternal life. There's nothing stagnant about Christianity, my friends. You look at the churches today and you think it's stagnant. It's not stagnant if you have the life of Jesus Christ in you. Thomas Chalmers, a Scottish theologian, 19th century described being born again as the propulsive power of a new emotion something that goes out of you you can't help it even if you're uh, not an ebullient person I, I don't think I'm that expressive I'm shy but there's something in me Jesus Christ is in me and Jesus is saying I want out there's life where there's life you can't hold it down can you uh, this is how one commentator put it when the holy spirit enters the life there is vital force 
that finds vigorous expression. Is there a vigor in your Christian life if you are believing in Jesus Christ? Yes, I can't say now I have, haven't found what I'm looking for. But even though I'm satisfied in Christ, this is a contradiction I know, and I can't get my little mind around it, but I still thirst for more of him. Can you get that? You know, with the things of the world, the more you taste of them, the more they make you feel sick. But with Christ, the more you drink of him, the more you want of him. Now, try and explain that. I can't. And, you know, the water that is in us, it leaps. That's another word. It leaps. So, as we're getting older, whenever I uh, meet people uh, in a wedding, I hope you don't mind me saying this, those who were in the wedding yesterday. I met somebody in the wedding yesterday, and they said, do you know my grandfather? And their grandfather was a minister in North Wales when I was there. And then, this is what frightened me, the person I was speaking to, their father was a young man, just starting in the ministry, and I was already a minister. And I thought, I'm getting old now. The body is getting old. Uh, Many of us here have got most of our life behind us, most of our earthly life, I should say. But there is life inside of us. There there is this water that is leaping. And I'm finding the closer we are getting to glory, the more the water leaps. It's a conundrum, isn't it? The body is getting weaker. We can't rely on our reserves of energy that we had when we were young. Uh, Like uh, that artist who said, I warm both hands at the fire of life. Well, the fire of life is going down. We can't be as inspired from the things of this world as we once were. But there's another fire that isn't going out. There is another fire that is burning within our hearts. The fire of the Holy Spirit. The outer man is decaying, but the inner man is being renewed day by day. Why aren't you a Christian? Your best is behind you if you're not a Christian. It's going to get worse. Old age doesn't come alone. Death. Judgment. Eternal thirst. And Jesus Christ is offering for free. Living water. Spiritual cleansing. Spiritual satisfaction. No wonder the Bible ends with the invitation that I started the meeting with, and I will close reading it again. The Spirit and the bride, the church is the bride. We're not here to stand in judgment over society. We're here to say, come and let him who hears. Is that you? Say, come. And let him who thirst. Is that you? Come. And whoever you are, it doesn't matter who you are, whoever desires, let him take the water of life freely. May somebody here come maybe for the first time. And if we've already come to Jesus Christ, come again and again. And the more you drink of him, the more satisfied 
you will become, and the more you will well up from the inside with the joy of the Lord. The joy of the Lord can be your strength when other strengths are declining. And we're going to sing now. Jesu, lover of my soul, let me to thy bosom fly. Why have I chosen this hymn? Well, I think it's this hymn, which has one stanza saying, Thou of life, the fountain art, freely let me take of thee. Spring thou up within my heart and rise to all eternity. Wow, that's amazing. Uh, let's sing 514.
I heard the voice of Jesus say, Behold, I freely give the living water, thirsty one, stoop down and drink and live. I came to Jesus and I drank of that life-giving stream. My thirst was quenched, my soul revived, and now I live in him. And now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all now and forever. Amen.